Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Folks, welcome to Trainwreck tonight, 313. It is Monday, October 16th, and it is not the brightest, sunniest day outside in Western New York. And it's not the brightest, sunniest day on Bills or Sabres Twitter either. All that despite the Bills coming off a Sunday night football win over the New York football giants, Brian Dable and Tyrod Taylor. We'll get into the game. We'll get into the you know craziness of kind of how close it was the whole time. The Bills offense coming on at the end and obviously getting it done. We'll take a look ahead. We have special guests, Greg Thompson and Sal Capaccio coming on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's have a great time. And most importantly, let's go. Folks, welcome back to Trainwreck tonight, 313. Most importantly, it is a victory Monday. So everyone batting down the hatches and let's get on the positivity train. This, our guest tonight, one dominates the Bills sideline and the other dominates your Bills timeline. We're talking, of course, about Sal Capaccio of WGR and, of course, the Bills Networks and, of course, Greg Thompson of his own Greg Thompson show and, of course, the Cover One Network. Gents, let's get right into it. Sal, how are you feeling today about the Buffalo Bills? So plain and simple. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Welcome. I have a couple of things to say first. Number one, that was the longest intro I've ever seen in the history of podcast video casts ever. But it should be Corey Hart's sunglasses at night because you wear your sunglasses all the time, man. It's unbelievable. Um, and then I don't know if people know, but like. Like, are you at your house? You're like literally 200 yards from me right now. We are very close. I uh, This is a tidbit going into the show. One time, Sal lent me an air conditioner. I still have I it. So it, we, it's very neighborly. 
Um, Let it, there's been a couple times. I don't take care of my neighbors. It's the city of good neighbors, right? There's you been are. a couple times where we're walking through our West side neighborhood. That's as yes. much as I'll, uh, as I'll put it down, but yeah, lovely neighborhood to live in. And yeah, Sal and I are about 200 feet apart, but it feels like I'm worlds away from Greg Thompson. Greg, I know you were weathering the storm today, what, not Cleveland? just outside, not just, uh, on the timeline. How are you feeling today? Going into, going and in, going into Patriots week. Yeah, and uh, enjoying some of the same Lakery weather, just a little southern uh, from you guys. Same dreary uh, raininess. Supposed to wrap up today, so hopefully feeling a little bit better. And yeah, it's weird being in a, a situation where we're constantly, you know, managing expectations. And the biggest thing I, you know, probably both am telling others and, and honestly telling myself is we watched a team for the last 20 years that would have lost that game last night, 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to be mad that they found a way to win. It wasn't pretty. I don't even know if they deserved the win, but they won. And I watched other teams that I would be frustrated for years, pull out wins that they didn't deserve and move on in the standings, move on in the playoffs, whatever it may be. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Uh, it's nice to have one that, Hey, it counts as a win. And then we move on. Yeah, you asked me how I felt about the team. And, you know, it's funny. I think I feel differently on Monday morning waking up going, oh, my God, like, whoa, that was not pretty. They didn't play very well. And then as you move on throughout the day, you get to the end of Monday as we're talking here and into Tuesday, and you're like, all right, four and two now. Now you got New England. Now you start to look towards the next opportunity to win, which is a great opportunity, and you think about being five and two. So, yeah, I mean, the expectations, as Greg said, are so high for this team that I don't think people are feeling great about it. But, hey, man, it is not easy. Look what's happening if you're, if you're doing this in San Francisco or Philadelphia for yesterday, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, it's not just a gimme in this league. Exactly what I'm saying. I still have that drought mentality. I hate to say it. A win is a win. Like you both yeah. said, uh, we've seen a Buffalo Bills team, you know, prior versions, prior modifications, lose this type of game before at home, take the wind out of their sails early in the season. Going to three and three feels a world different at four and two this morning. So I want to talk with you both. Let's start on the defensive side, because I think there's a lot of positive to talk about there. And there's also, you know, some stuff that's kind of up in the air. Um, what do you both think uh, so far of Von Miller two games back to his return? Uh, Sal, let's start with you. Well, I don't think he's full Von Miller yet. I mean, that's hopefully going to happen at some point. Maybe it doesn't happen by the end of the season. But I like the fact that they're confident enough and he's confident enough to put him on the field as much as they did yesterday, as much as they did in that game. Um, I don't know the snap counts in front of me. Maybe you guys do, but um, he played a lot and he especially played a lot in the second half and in the fourth quarter. Um, so you'd like to see him make an impact on the stat sheet. That hasn't happened, but you know, I think Von's MO, of course he's had amazing years, right? But his MO is being the closer. So I think as the game, as the season gets longer, as you get in November, December, January playoff time, that's when you're hoping he's going to make that big play at a certain point. But you know, so far so good. Unless as long as he keeps saying that he's coming out of the game, good he's feeling good, then I'm okay with, you know, because he's Von Miller and you want him on the field in those situations. hundred percent the same. Uh, you know, as, as Sal said, it was a, a good snap count. It was 27. What was the number that, that he had last night, which you look at Gregory Rousseau and Leonard Floyd played 54 and 45. Uh, they brought Von in a little bit above AJ Epinesa. And then we saw a little bit of Kingsley Jonathan at the end. I, I think that as what we see in October for Von Miller, matters so much less than what we see in December or January and hopefully February. Um, that's what matters and getting him as right as he's going to be both in this season coming back from injury. And at this age is that combination. We don't need him to single-handedly save the day. We need him to be a important critical piece along with 
Gregory Rousseau and Leonard Floyd and Ed Oliver and, and the others. And I think that we're along that journey. He's not there yet, but I, I don't know that anyone should have expected that to be the case this early on. Yeah. Hey, sometimes the hype train get pulls out of the station a little early. I'll admit I've conducted one or two myself. Uh, with that said, I would love to hear from you too on like, I mean, this has been unbelievable to me as a fan. I ended last year thinking that Kyrie Elam was a player who could absolutely take the next step. Who could be a Tredavious white 2.0 or 2.0.1 for the Apple people out there uh, on this bills team. But so far it just seems like I don't know if you would call it regression or maybe just not fitting into the scheme because I know that those two do tend to work hand in hand. Um, But I know that you guys see more than most. You guys are kind of tied in more than most. I'm curious, both of your perspectives, you know, in 30 seconds or so, just on the current Kair Elam situation, the situation where, I mean, do you almost not have him on the field based on how the last couple games results have gone? Go ahead, Greg. I don't know that there's any player that I was more off base with coming into this year than Kair Elam. I was really, really high on the flashes. We saw him make a couple really critical plays in that Miami playoff game last year. Uh, and obviously, in hindsight, I can tell myself that that was you know me wish casting or whatever. That was me projecting what I wanted him to be, what we were hoping he would be, and what that player would allow them to do from a scheme perspective. Um, I, I wish, and, and I assume that John Butler and, uh, you know, Sean McDermott and others within that building wish they understood what hasn't clicked. And I think there's a cascade of confidence versus positioning and feet versus when you're out of position, you grab, and then that kind of creates a, a the negative flywheel effect and just kinds of snowballs. And all of a sudden, then what were physical gifts that he could have taken advantage of, he's now not confident using, not getting his feet in the right position, and he's grabbing, and you don't see the speed and the athleticism and the long arms and all the reasons we were excited. Um, I, I'm sure he wishes he knew that as well. I haven't seen it to this point. I, I'm not all the way out, but he certainly has not instilled a great deal of confidence for him to play going forward, and I can't wait for it to simply be Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. I don't think he played terribly on Sunday. I think he had the one pass where he got beat on down the sideline. Christian Benford got beat on the exact same play, by the way, later in the game. You know, one thing I want to, you know, bring up that I don't think people are talking enough about is it's not just pass coverage. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley. I mean, hey, you haven't played in six weeks. You haven't had a jersey. Go out and cover Calvin Ridley. Good luck. That's a tough job for anybody, but he wasn't good that day. I'm not saying he was, but it is a tough assignment. But I think also the run support was lacking in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think that, that was one of the reasons why maybe he was also taken out late in the game. Jags got to the edge too much. They were able to kind of get by him and block him. He had a really nice open field tackle that kept the game, kept the clock moving in this game. And Sean McDermott ta- talked about that after the game in this game against the New York Giants. Um, I really think this boils down to scheme. I do. I, I think that they they just aren't confident enough because he has not grasped this zone scheme. And zones aren't as easy as everyone thinks. You don't just drop and stand in a spot. You know, I mean, it's not the way it works. You got to understand leverage. You got to understand help. You got to understand when to go to the flat, when to follow a guy and where your help is coming from and all that. And I really believe that, you know, coming out of college, they believe that they could coach him up enough to do that because generally they've been able to do that. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't translated. So you can't just sell out with one player to do one thing while everybody else does the other thing. So I, I, I didn't think he played t- terribly. And you're not facing a world-beating receiving core against the New England Patriots, so maybe it's another game for him to get confidence if he's going to play. But I don't disagree that you know he's not a starter. When Dane Jackson's ready, Dane, Dane Jackson has to start. I'm not ready to pull the shoot on Kyrie Elam right now. I still think there's room to grow, 
He is only a year and several games of his NFL career. I think the same kind of could have been said for AJ Epinesa at some point. Now look what he's done in his, his fourth year. Seriously, we acknowledge our tribal chief, AJ Epinesa, over here at Train Rec Sports. Great points by both of you. I don't want I don't want to, you know, kiss your butt too much, but that's exactly why you bring the moneymakers, Sal Capaccio and Greg Thompson on to Train Rec tonight. Um, let's keep rolling on. I just wanted to share one thought on this defense. And if you guys have any thoughts on the deals, we're moving to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Um, I feel like if you give Sean McDermott a week, he's gonna scheme you into a phone booth. Uh, I think that he is gonna outplay, and I think he takes I think that this is his, this is potentially his masterpiece. This is his, you know, potential work of art. You lose Milano, you lose white. You're going to be without Daquan Jones for a majority of the season here. You know, there's whispers that he could be a December, January return, but obviously that's way down there. I think that he is relishing this opportunity to take these players. And a lot of them are obviously in-house guys. You know, they're not signing guys off the street necessarily to fill these positions. Obviously you have a Norman added to a practice squad, things like that. But I think that truly Sean McDermott is relishing this opportunity and you kind of see it in the game. Obviously it was a very tie rod game making plays, you know, whenever he needed to and kind of moving the ball at that point. Uh, but yeah, hold him nine points, obviously. And going back to the point, I just want to say, which was, you know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. I'll just be honest. Sean McDermott defense. He doesn't have injuries that day. He is going to dominate you plain and simple. It just feels like this iteration of Sean McDermott is the best yet. And he's really kind of like taking this personally for planning out this defense. Yeah, and I thought the same thing. And look, I think going back to your original point about if you give him a week, I said the same thing back in 2017 with McDermott and Frazier. You know, I thought, you know, after watching them go through that season, I felt, hey, you give this team a week, they're going to be able to come up with a game plan to stop another team. And they did in that Jacksonville game in the playoffs. And unfortunately, the Bills couldn't score enough points in that year. And that was the Jacksonville team. I think the next week went to Pittsburgh and just rolled with like 40-something points, right? Or had the win or loss, but they scored a lot of points. But, you know, I think that's always been the case. And sure, have there been games here or there? And against great quarterbacks like Mahomes or whatever, that's happened 100%. I think Sean McDermott is one of the best defensive minds in all of football. Um, and you give him an opportunity here to formulate a game plan and have his fingerprints on it. I said the same thing early in the offseason, which you just said, which is this is personal for him. That if he's going to take ownership of this defense, there's no one to point to and say it was somebody else. You know, they, and, and that means a lot. And this he, he understands the ramifications of that because this is a team that has expectations to win a Super Bowl. Now, without Matt Milano, and without Daquan Jones, without Tredavious White. It's not easy, but yet, you know, to hold any team in this league out of the end zone for 60 minutes, especially given those injuries, I think is very impressive. You know, you you step back, and obviously everything hasn't been perfect this season. There's reasons for frustration. There's reasons to want to see better. But when you step back and look at it, in six games, they've let up seven offensive touchdowns. Like, that's really impressive in today's NFL and, and to be in a spot. And that's obviously against some very good offenses. Not all of them are good offenses, uh, but they rightfully have held those teams like the Giants without a touchdown, the Commanders without a touchdown. Uh, the Commanders have actually looked pretty good against some other teams. There's, you know, obviously we know what the Dolphins have done in their other games. So um, I, I think that that should give some confidence to what's going on here. I think the defensive line is playing fantastic and they've finally got the mixture and the rotation right after a lot of years of mixing and matching different uh, contracts versus uh, other pieces. Um, I think we're still on. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. There we're we go. Here. We're still here. Uh, I, I wanted to give Greg. I wanted to give Greg no, the spotlight. No, I appreciate it. I wasn't ready. I was not ready for the spotlight. Is what happened. Um. So going through and being in that kind of position again, I, I think there are things that that haven't been perfect. But as Sal made a point with Kyrie Elam last night, 
after the initial debut of Dorian Williams, I thought he looked encouraging last night. I, I thought that there were pieces that have looked good. Uh, Terrell Dotson has made plays. You know, there there are pieces of guys stepping in that were looking to do things into spots that were really big shoes to fill, and they're doing well. And I think that has to be a credit to the defensive coaching. If you bought Dorian Williams stock, it, it's looking like Bitcoin pretty soon here. I will say that. Uh, so here we go. But uh, let's go to the other side of the ball real quick just to close it up on the Giants. Obviously, the big thing is the lack of offense, the, the lack of rhythm. Basically, it's if you don't have digs, you don't have anything. Uh, seems to be the common thing on the timeline right now. So I just want to ask both of you, do you see this as an October lull, seeing as a lot of pundits still have things like their DVOA and their offensive rating still very high? Or do you view it as you know potentially more of a systemic issue Dorsey, maybe, and Allen not exactly on the same page. So I think with this one, it, obviously, a cover one, we, we believe a lot in doing the analysis, doing the film work, doing the statistical breakdowns. You know, people like Eric doing his film breakdowns, there are plenty of reasons for optimism. Looking at the advanced analytics, there's a ton that will tell you there's not a lot wrong with this offense. It's been fluky. It's been weird. There's enough of those fluky things that it, it isn't great. It doesn't feel how we want it to feel. But I will say, you know, you go back in time. I think Terry McCauley came on later on the, the broadcast. Obviously, Sal, you were, you were uh, working the game itself and came on and said, hey, some of those pass interference calls, it wasn't just feet getting tripped up when you're not looking back at the ball. That should have been called as a defensive pass interference. All of a sudden, if on that first drive, that's either – their feet don't get caught up and Gabe was open and probably going to catch that ball or they call that penalty and we're down there moving a couple other play, you know, uh, Josh doesn't kind of short arm that play with Knox later on a handful of really close plays here or there. You know, we probably walk out last night with not a boat race, but it's probably 27 to nine. It's probably 24 to nine and everybody's feeling like, okay, all right. It wasn't the most amazing thing I've ever seen, but nice game. Let's move on. Instead, a couple little things, and that, that keeps happening, and we keep seeing it in multiple games now that, like, yeah, we were this close, or that thing didn't quite happen, or that didn't quite happen. I'm going to lean into the fact that there are encouraging enough signs that we will see more of that. Of course, I'd love to see it be easier. I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of the other reasons why, but I, I don't think it's as bad as it feels, but I understand why people are frustrated. I'm a big picture guy. In the macro, there's always going to be things that happen game to game, play to play. To Greg's point about if you get one of those passes to, you know, Gabe Davis early on, he catches that. Might be a different game, might have different stats. How about the fact that you know, Ken Dorsey didn't call play that had Gabe Davis fumble, right? Gabe fumbled. Yeah. That's on him. Um, Dawson Knox dropped pass later in the game, like to close out the game. And then, you know, Josh, I think he throws a ball. I think it was a heck of a play by the linebacker, actually, to knock the ball up in the air and, you know, cause that interception. You know, early that, that, that he had. And otherwise, Dawson Knox, man, that's a great read. Dawson is running kind of clean over the middle of the field. He hits Dawson Knox right there. It's probably a score as well. So there are these little things that happen. Um, but I'm a big picture guy, like I said, and here's the big picture, all right? The Buffalo Bills, let me give you some numbers. They're still, even after scoring 14 points last night, third in the league in the NFL, 28.8 points a game, second in the NFL in red zone, second in the NFL in third down. They are in yards per game or yards per play, whether it's total, rush, or passing yards. The lowest ranking they have is 13. Otherwise, they're top 10 in everything. I mean, look, I think in a lot of ways, we've been spoiled for the last three, four years, and the standard is so high. 
And I say it in my own way. And Joe Marino texted or tweeted something earlier today, which he said it in his own way. And I say it all the time. We are so hyper-focused. Fans are on their own team that you don't really look at the fact that a lot of these things are kind of normal around the league. And if you're, you know, you're putting up these numbers, like, like that's good. Not every team just goes out there and just has these great games and scores 40 points a game. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs are not playing good offense right now. They're not scoring a lot of points. Makes you know, it all the more frustrating. They keep putting up W's. <laughs> agreed 100%. They're actually winning more on defense. But you get the point. When you're so hyper-focused on your own team, you're not seeing how the league actually works overall. I mean, look at the big picture. The Buffalo Bills are still in good shape. And even and they're in good shape even with all these things that are happening to them that they're making these mistakes. And when you get a game where they don't, then you get the 48 points they score against the Miami Dolphins. And let's talk about uh, real quick, because I know, Greg, you mentioned, you know, aspects of the offense, adding up to certain things and what we've seen so far. The one thing I've seen, and I'm, you know, I'm a fan. I, I am not a, an analyst. I don't know what I'm seeing when I look at the, you know, the all 22 or whatever. But I do know that everyone has been saying for these last couple of weeks that play action has been a huge part of the Bills' success. And it seems like specifically under center play action, not just Josh taking like a shotgun snap and faking a handoff. Um, with that said, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I could be speaking out, out of my uh, uh, camo hat here. With that said, it seemed like they got kind of away from that yesterday. Do you think that was maybe on purpose to put some new stuff on film? Um, maybe taking in the fact that they were a two-touchdown favorite? Do you think that there's maybe trying some stuff out? Like like you said, I think, Sal, you said that they're still ironing some things out, still trying some new stuff out. Do you think that this was a result of maybe trying to avoid getting more on film or maybe trying stuff out zoo. I don't know. What, what did you guys look into that? How do you read into the play action and how it plays a role in this offense? Well, if you're going to talk about under center, right, I think that's the, the big key here. It's the under center play action. And there are, there is a lot of data that Greg can speak to that they've done as well. Under center play action. The bills are, I think Josh Allen going into this game at a perfect passer rating when he was under center and at play action. And then you have that, and then you have him under center, and you have him in shotgun. Now, a week ago after the game in London, that following Monday, I asked Ken Dorsey about this particular thing, and the way I asked him was, you know, how they decide going into each game, which way to work, because the Bills didn't do a lot of that. And I thought it was super interesting that he his answer to me was that Josh is comfortable in shotgun, and it's paramount the quarterback feels comfortable. He didn't say Josh is uncomfortable in under center, but I think it's important to note it was pretty evident that he's saying Josh likes to be in shotgun and he wants to make sure Josh is comfortable. And look, in shotgun, you could do some of the things you can't do under center. You can have those quick strikes that step on days. You get the ball out, bam, you can throw it to that slant. Can't really do that from under center, right? Um, you know, right at the line of scrimmage like that and getting the snap. So I think there's got to be some balance here. And Josh has to understand that this team and him are so effective when they do that. But you also want to make sure that the quarterback is comfortable because that's, you know, something that's important in the game. And that's what Ken Dorsey stresses. Yeah, and I think the frustration is all of us, analysts, fans, anyone is just as guilty. We all play the results. We all look at what happened. I'm really, really good at knowing what somebody should have done after I see what happened. Um, it, it's just human nature. So, you know, I I hate, you know, running the ball in second and long. I hate, you know, not leaning into some of the things that we know are statistical and probability easy buttons, you know, more pre-snap motion, more under center uh, play action, being able to lean into some of those things. But, you know, uh, 
the shotgun sprint draw is a play that everybody goes crazy about right now and wants to shoot to the moon and, and, and get out of here. Well, those back-to-back 14-yard runs that James Cook had looked awful good. Like those were awful effective in that spot. And that I get it. It doesn't, I think in the long run, we should lean into those things. I think that getting Josh, I think you do have to get some reps because when you're under center and running play action, you do have a moment where you turn your back to the defense. I don't think that's a Josh thing. I don't think any quarterback loves that. I think just some get used to the fact that, hey, the benefit I'm going to get when I spin back around is worth the risk of exposing myself. And I think his athleticism, his build, his ability to manage that and take that in is only going to come with more and more time. We haven't historically been a very heavy under center play action. It's a new buzzword. I know guys like Chris Sims and other people, Dan Orlovsky go crazy about it. So now everybody's talking about it. Nobody was talking about that in 2020 when Josh was lighting the world on fire from shotgun with five wide, never running under center play action. Now all of a sudden it's a buzzword. It's not a bad thing. There is data that shows you that that is a smart way to run an offense. I would like to see more of it. It also has to fit in with other things. And if you lean into it all the time, defensive coordinators are really smart too. They can have plans for those things. You have to balance it out. So yes, more pre-snap motion, more play action, more under center. Those are good things. I hope we see more of it. It also doesn't mean we pivot and only do that. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, under center, let's face it, in 2023, it's not sexy. But if it's getting the job done, then that's what the Bills and the uh, the offense obviously need to continue to execute. Speaking of continuing to execute, the Bills won the game. They're 4-2. and two. Let's go on to the Patriots. I mean, geez, when we got good and we started beating the Patriots, that, that, that game at Foxborough 2021, even last year, obviously, it's been amazing. I thought the entire time, you know, facing Tom Brady and Belichick, I couldn't wait for this opportunity to finally be good and beat the Patriots. But given recent history, given where the Miami Dolphins are as an organization, given the fact that the Jets have beaten us like, what, two out of the last three times they played us, the last both times uh, in New Jersey when they've played us, they've kind of climbed the ranks as far as where my eye is, as far as where my fan attention is. So I'm curious from both of you, you guys obviously interact with a ton of fans. Are people looking forward to this opportunity of over a touchdown favorite at New England as much as you think they historically would? Or is that eye kind of gone to the Dolphins uh, Jets as we get ready for Patriots week here? You know, I, I think because of Sunday's game and the apprehension and how it went and not winning the way that people thought they would win, there's probably a little bit of that going on going into New England. I just don't think this New England team is very good. I think the Bills, you know, should be able to, you know, put their foot down on them. But it is Bill Belichick, and there's the mystique there that's kind of – it's gone away, but it's, it's a lot of scar tissue, right? And we always think about that. Um, you know, I just told you the Bills are averaging 28.8 points a game. You guys know what New England is averaging on the year? Want to guess? I w- I'm going to go 12. You win. I don't know what you win, but you win. Exactly 12 points a game. Good job. <laughs> Very okay. nice. I, and let's face it. Even if I had that pulled up in front of my face, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I just know 12 points been, a game. <laughs> the, only team, the only team less than them, I'm sorry, is the Giants. 11.8. I mean, this is a team, the New England Patriots, that have, they're devoid of playmakers on offense. They don't know what's going on with their quarterback. And I, I just think the Bills should go into New England and be able to roll them. Now, that said, Josh Allen's day-to-day with a shoulder injury. So we'll see where this goes. Sean McDermott said he'll be fine, that he did not say he's for sure going to play on Sunday. So, I mean, he's Josh Allen. My expectation is that's probably going to happen, as I sit here right now. 
but he did have x-rays on the shoulder and we'll see. And Josh has been a Belichick and Patriots killer for the last few years, you know, so we see where that goes. But I think as far as fans are concerned, the Bills had had the game we expected last night against the Giants. It'd be like, yeah, yeah, get rid of the Patriots. Because they had that game last night, I think there's probably a little bit of, okay, you got to go to New England and win. You can't let that happen again. Yeah, I think so. Spot on in, in that one, it's healthy to have that week to week focus. I always joke that the team can't look ahead. I can look ahead all I want. I, I, I don't have to go week yeah, by week. The, right? the team needs to remain focused on the day. I can look ahead and take people for granted all I want. Um, even with how ugly last night was, with all those things, with Belichick's ability on defense to cook some different things up, he's also lost some of his best we- weapons. You take Matthew Judon and, and Christian Gonzalez out of the equation, even for an all-time great defensive game planner. That's tough. Um, this should not be a close game, but last night shouldn't have been there. So uh, they got to take it seriously. They got to take it one game at a time. I think that rightfully fans are pivoting some of their attention and focus. The the Dolphins are the new uh, flashy thing, and that's fun. I grew up with Kelly versus Marino, so I've always cared more about the Dolphins rivalry than uh, we never really had a rivalry with the Patriots because either we were really good and they were terrible, or it flipped the other way and they were really good and we were terrible. And it, it never really had a truly competitive rivalry. Having the Dolphins and the Bills good at the same time, I'm used to that. That's what I grew up with. I'm, I'm excited to see that again. And just like when I was little, we beat them most of the time too. That's also fun. Um, I am not going to take one moment of the Patriots looking terrible for granted. I am going to enjoy every single little piece of it. Uh, I actually am now in the weird spot where I'm almost rooting for them to win a couple games because I don't want them to get a really good quarterback. I'd prefer they draft like sixth or seventh in the draft. But the fact that they still can't win and in a game I was rooting for them to pull off, watching Mac Jones take a game-clinching safety on the opportunity to have a game-winning drive, I still enjoyed tremendously. So I'm not going to let that ruin anything for me. Yeah, I think this has probably got to be one of the biggest spreads for the Bills uh, at New England in some quite some time. What is it? It's got to be 25 Eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half early in yeah. some spots. Um, it, has, it isn't everywhere yet because obviously I'm sure a lot of places are waiting on the Josh Allen news as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyone who has opened it has it at eight and a half currently. Might be 30 Our, years. Yeah, I mean, you got to think at least going back to the early might, Yeah, pro- might be previous to, uh, to Bledsoe the last time in New England it was that big. Okay. Well, hey, speaking of being in New England, Sal said that New England offense is struggling. Let's get a segment in. We're going down the tail run of Trainwreck tonight, 313. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Let's get a segment going for Sideline Sal. Of course, if you've tuned into us in the past, you've seen what we'll do is we'll queue up a scenario for Sal as though we're in the commentary booth. So in this case, I'll be playing the role of Chris Brown. Greg will be playing Eric Wood. And here is the situation. All of a sudden, Bill Belichick subs in one of the Patriots, one of the New England Patriots militia end zone men, the end zone militia or the quarterback position. So we'll cue you up, Sal, and then we'll let you take it from here. Can I? Um, yeah. Do I have to play the part of Sal Capacci, or can I be? Excuse me. Somebody like another sideline reporter. You can be. You could be anybody. You could be whoever you want to be. You're on, as long uh, as you're on the sideline. I thought that was I thought that was a, a bottle of, of uh, something there for a second. I was no, I, I had a little some of my throws <laughs> right there. I, um, I'd almost prefer that you have to play the role of Scott Zolak if, if we can choose one. Oh well, Scotty, we could do that. I could do any <laughs> any national broadcaster here. All right, so give me the scenario again. I'm not going to be Sal Capaccio. Yeah. I'm going to be the national or New England broadcast. Go ahead. What is the scenario? I like it. 
Okay, so we'll cue you up. And yeah, Belichick is subbing in an end zone militia for the quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, hey, Zach, I, I'm seeing that Mac Jones is headed for the locker room. I'm not really sure what's going on. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, well, it looks like Cunningham is currently taking selfies on the sideline. I think Zappy is also not nowhere to be seen. Wait, what's this here? It looks like a an end zone militia. Remember, the end zone militia has dropped his musket and he has put on the helmet. He is going on the field. Let's go down to our sideline reporter. What do we got down there? Yeah, guys, you have to remember, this has been in the plan for Belichick for many years. He is such a genius. This is an incredible move. This is Bill Belichick playing 3D chess while everyone else plays checkers. You have to give him so much credit for this move. It's unbelievable that he would think about doing this before anybody else. Do you see any other team putting a mascot in? Of course not. Only Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick knows how to play everybody else in this league. This is such a genius move. I cannot believe it. The, the militia is going to come in here. They are going to turn this season around because this has been in the plans the whole time. Everybody thought they were tanking for Caleb Williams. No. They were tanking for the militia guy to surprise everybody. What an ingenious move by Bill Belichick. 3D chest Belichick. Check strikes again, folks. That was a masterpiece from <laughs> Sal Capaccio. That's why you got to follow. Make sure you're following him at Sal Sports. Make sure you're following at Greg Thompson. Gents, I know real quick, we're going down the tail running here. We got a lot of viewers on on Twitter, YouTube. I know we have a lot going on. Uh, why don't we take 10 seconds? Sal, I think you're going to be at Sports City Pizza Pub this week. Yeah, I am. Uh, listen, you guys know I'm a, in fact, I got my real men wear pink American Cancer Society ribbon on right there. Um, I am a big part of the uh, Real Men Wear Pink, American Cancer Society, raising money every October. And we have these guest bartending nights. For the next two weeks, I'll be at different places. This Wednesday night, Sports City Pizza, right around the corner. You got to be there, Maniac. Come on by. Say hi. Um, you know, I'm sure people, you can maybe put some out there. You can do a little social on it if you want. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that press pass, okay, to be able to do that, uh, to put the on the social media. And uh, But come on by. Well, Josh Reed's going to be behind the bar bartending. Um, you know, they got great prizes. We have raffles, 50-50, things like that. So come on by and do that. And then. If you're in Rochester, next Tuesday night, I'll also be doing the same thing at New York Beer Project in Rochester. I go out there every year, do a little guest bartending, and all of the tips you give me go to my Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the American Cancer Society. Absolutely same. You guys can check us out. Uh, find me at Greg Thompson. Find all the stuff that we do over at Cover One. Sometimes welcoming wonderful people like Sal Capaccio to partner on fun projects. If anyone hasn't checked out what he and Erica put together, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but you can find uh, Aaron and I previewing the Patriots game. We'll have Evan Lazar on Wednesday night for our normal preview show. And then with you guys every post game show, having a good time as well. We had an amazing tailgate last night at Game Day Hospitality. We will be back again October 26th for Bucks at Bills Thursday Night Football, and we will have hip-hop karaoke. So I got to ask my guests, Sal, Greg, you get one shot, one opportunity to get everything you've ever wanted. What karaoke song are you choosing? Oh, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I grew up in 90s hip hop is like my wheelhouse. Uh, that, that's where my preferred uh, musical tastes are. But I'd want to do something that's also fun for the crowd and that everybody could get into. I think I would lean into something like the Humpty Dance. I think I would roll with that and get everybody having a good time. You said it's got to be 90s hip hop. Is that what you said? Oh, no, it could be any hip hop. <clears throat> but it's got to be like a hip hop. It can't be. Oh, any song, any song, all, all karaoke. Someday when I'm I can't do it with my voice. No, I I do Sinatra. I do Sinatra. Love I do it. Okay. Love or if you want to go the hip hop route, I would I would say, all right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. I would do that song, Ice Ice Baby, if you want to go with the 90s. Sorry, the voice isn't that good, but I can sing Sinatra karaoke. I've done it in some places before, and I thought I was pretty good at it, but just now I wasn't.
That delivery was cold Love as ice. It. Huge shout out to my guest, Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T, and Sal Sports, of course, everywhere at WGR and on the sideline and everywhere you look. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and make sure to most importantly have a good night now. Thank <laughs> you.